know Larry Bird? Yeah, I don't have to know him. He's from French Lick, Indiana. He's a doofus. Had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. Well, no big Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim Out. Greg Pepper's on the board and chiming in. SP Futures up seven, NASDAQ Futures down two. So we have a mixed morning after a few days to the upside. Uh, we'll see if we continue to the upside today. We were last night, and now all of a sudden we've we've turned mixed here a little bit. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. Yes, you do. How are you, bud? I am doing great. I'm calling you from the doofus capital of Indiana. Are you are you calling? Or are you uh, are you? Uh, zooming? Well, actually, I'm I'm zoomed in from the doofus capital of Indiana. Um, that would be Indianapolis. No, French Lick. Oh God, yeah. What, everybody what knows. It? Everybody knows. Well, everybody except the people in French Lick who think it's the people from Hanover. Yeah. Uh, this a, that was a chairs bit, Tom. Oh, yeah, I, I have so. a slight story about French Lick. We used to when we were when we were young. Um, we decided we used to go to uh, Sturgeon Bay every year for vacation. And one day, my stepfather got a hair up his behind and says, "Now we're not going to go to Sturgeon Bay. We're going to go to French Lick. There's this big resort down there, and blah blah blah." So down we go, and uh, this had to be—I'm going to say—I was probably twelve. So we're talking, you know. I'm, I'm pretty early, sure you were never twelve. Well, maybe but okay. early sixties, and. Uh, Maybe mid sixties. I think we drove the Oldsmobile down there, and it it was really something. I mean, French Lick was a was a mafia gambling mecca, where you could leave. I think from Inglewood, it was the Monon line. I think, and you could leave there, and a train would take you right down there, and you could gamble and crowds and do whatever you damn well please for the whole weekend, and then come back. They had one of the hotels there. That, when we were there, you were able to walk through it. The floor was all busted up and was a mess. It was the largest. Dome, a, a non-suspended dome of any structure until the Astrodome. Still there. It's still, it's now still it's all, there. Now it's at, all repaired. At, at, I believe it's at West Baden, yeah. yeah. But now it's all repaired, right? It's all mm-hmm. it's the resort again. But the resort we stayed at was something absolutely out of the south. And we're talking all the waiters were black. It's all, it, was, it was really something, like something you'd see in, 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 in a, you know, going with the wind or something. It was, it was like being in the deep south. And we went for a walk and all the Guys running by are yelling at us, you Yankees. I mean, it was, it was like something out of <laughs> it's, a. It's still a throwback, Tom. Oh, it really, it really is. It's but, it, uh, but not in that way. Um, what was it, uh, it, what's his name? Uh, Larry Bird, when he was the hick from French Lick, right? Yeah, sure. Well, and, and that's that's sort of the uh, um, the the drill, and uh, uh, Greg can find it, or I, you know, I could, I could, if I could screen share, I could, uh, I could play the clip, but. Um, the, there was a, um, a, a an episode of uh, Cheers where um, they were going to play their the rival bar, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In basketball, and so you know, there's Sam behind the counter going, you know, well, I'll, I'll get I'll get Kevin McHale to play for us if that's the way they want to do it there because they're bringing in ringers. I'll get Kevin McHale to play for us. He said, and if he won't do it, I'll get Larry Bird. And, uh, and and Woody immediately chimed in and said, well, if Bird's in, I'm out. Sorry, I can't do it. And go, what do you mean if Bird's in, you're out? And he says, because he's a doofus. God. He said, he's, he's from French Lick, so that's how I know he's a doofus. He said, Every, everybody knows, everybody knows that uh, that uh, French Lick is the doofus capital of Indiana. And then he says, except the people in French Lick think it's Hanover, which is where Woody was from. So and, and and he goes off on this long riff, and then when they finally bring in Kevin McHale, you know he says, "Well, what's it like to work with you know play with Larry Bird?" And he said, "Oh, Larry's great. He's so funny. He's always telling story about these doofuses from Hanover." Yeah, it's a I it's, it's a it's a it's a really funny little uh, series um, in in that episode. If I'm not mistaken, uh, McHale does play for them. They get they hire him as a bartender, uh, so that he's he's legit, and then and he plays for him and gets hurt. God, well, what do you think of? Uh, I was kind of thinking on the way in this morning about the uh, this Trump indictment, and I just, uh, um, you know, I just I can't even begin to, to you know, to look at the, the, the two sides of the story, and I can understand how both sides, people who like Trump and people who can't stand him, are are taken, you know, take are taken aside because, you know, what Kevin, I I, I honestly could argue either side, I. Uh, I don't, uh, when, I, when I say argue either side, I mean, I, I don't think there's any, well, in my mind, there's no question that if you have a guy with so many people around him already in jail <laughs> and, and doing bad stuff that he clearly was part of something. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him at all that he gave somebody some hush money and tried to take, take it off on his taxes. Which obviously uh, it wasn't a tax issue. It was. It was. Uh, they're making it a campaign finance issue. Well, whatever. I mean, I'm sure he broke some rules. So, well, it's the same thing. Yeah, right? because because why would anybody? You know, they're they're calling it basically campaign finance because uh, because essentially, uh, um, you know, it was to give him uh, uh, to cover this up for the campaign. Well, gee, you know, because nobody would ever want to cover up an affair like that from his wife. Oh, right, right. <laughs> nobody ever think of that. Well, I mean, I, who knows what his relationship is, but still. But you know, I, and there's there's two, and there's really two sides, Kevin. And if, and if you and I were to pop into some South Side North Side bar tonight, we would probably hear both sides. And I, and I can understand both sides. If you if you look at somebody who's quote guilty of something, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's why in this country you get to be tried and you get a defense. Maybe is, maybe isn't. Okay, that uh, there there needs to be some sort of law enforcement. And oh, by the way, nobody's above the law. Okay, and, and that's in one corner. That's where that one is. Now, in the other corner is, I honestly believe that this prosecutorial uh, discretion read total lack of law enforcement virtually anywhere. I mean, the amount of people that cheat on their campaign, the amount of people who cheat on their taxes, the amount of people who who can't seem to follow any any traffic laws. To the point where, if somebody pulled me over today, I would say, "What? Don't you like blue suburbans?" I mean, I wouldn't say it because I'd be smarter than that. My first thought would be, "What? Don't you like blue suburbans? What? Why did you pick me?" I mean, it, it, I, I would say, if you look at this on the one hand, you'll say that the, and this is just me opining. And I, I don't know if you think I'm fair with this or not. Please tell me. Uh, I want to tell you that. You'll tell me anyway. The, uh, <laughs> the so I mean, on, on the one hand, you know, if you look at it, the whether the guy. Did Why something did wrong? I'm going to say maybe he did. I, I would say if you look at this on the one hand, you'll say that the. And this is just me opining. 
Well, yeah, we, got a, we, got a, we got a serious echo here coming from someplace. Uh, plus, I don't hear myself twice. The, uh, How do you think the rest of us feel about yeah, it? Yeah, no kidding. So <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is, but on the other hand, if you look at the yeah. amount of hours spent of this district attorney, or whatever the hell he is, U.S. attorney, out of his office staff on this issue, you might come to a totally different conclusion and say, gee, I'd rather have him chase down the people who gave the money to the Wuhan place. I'd rather have him chase down people in Congress that are trading ahead of other people. I mean, I, I might have a totally different view on where to spend those hours, now, which doesn't, doesn't mean Trump's innocent. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean he shouldn't be, if he is guilty, he, he, you know, he, he's, he's just like the rest of us in terms of, but the point is, a lot of people aren't like the rest of us. A lot of people, they look the other way, they look at it. So as to how you focus on people, I think the, the pro-Trump people have a very legitimate argument why did you focus on him? Why did you spend, you know, forty thousand hours on this guy when I could name you fifteen other people that are just as bad? Doesn't mean that he's not bad. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be going after it too. But the fact is, this has all become. We got a bazillion laws. Everybody decides which ones they want to, which ones they want to enforce, and and by the way, who they should go after. You know, Kevin, that's just wrong, and, and that's where we are. And I'm not well, saying they're let's, wrong. Let's on take it a little. Let's take it a little farther on this too. Because when you said, you know, is he a federal prosecutor? No, he's a local prosecutor. Okay. Indicting him on a federal crime. Okay. So, so he's out of jurisdiction. But this is also someone who ran in his campaign, made the campaign promise that he would get Trump. Oh, I don't so, know. Yeah, I so this is, you know, this is sort of the, the similar discussion we've had about Blagojevich. But I mean, I thought that, I, I kind of just said not, that. Yeah. This is not how we... You know, we we don't go looking for crimes for people. If a crime presents itself, if you know, if 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 we if we know that a crime was uh, committed, yeah, go for it. Go, you know, um, lock them up, throw away the key. I don't care. But um, but this idea that we have, um, you know, uh, um, a, an agenda in search of a crime is is just not how we should be running this country. Well, you look at the the Illinois stuff, and the big joke is we've got you know. Uh, people in jail, you know, uh, governors and people. Okay, so Big Jim Thompson put Otto Kerner in jail, and I, I think Otto Kerner to his deathbed said he was innocent. Otto Kerner was, I think, a pretty good guy, and there was some something to do with racetrack stock. It was at Washington Park or Arlington Park or something. How he got some racetrack stock when he was governor. I, I, anyway, so the guy goes to jail. Well, Big Jim, I'm going to say he was one of the top three rainmakers. Uh, attorneys in the Chicago area for till the day he died. He was out of the Sports Authority. Was he? Uh, was he? Was he Mayor Brown? He was on the board of the, the board of the of the uh, uh, Chicago Board of Trade. He was their counsel on something. I mean, he was he was a major mover and shaker, really, all because he put Otto Kerner in jail. Now Dan Webb did the same thing with uh, what was first first name's name Ryan. Ryan was going to get the Nobel Peace Prize for getting rid of the. Uh, uh, what do you call it? the death penalty here in Illinois? Because out of like thirty people on death row, they found out like what ten of them weren't didn't do it, Kevin, or some bizarre thing. So he said, "There's no way we can have a death penalty in a state where we screw up the prosecutions that often," which I think everybody agreed with. I mean, I think most people would have. And so, and they got him for you know for making making people in his office uh, donate to his campaign, which you know you're not supposed to do. But guess what? The reason why they got a job is because he gave him the job because he's in office. It wasn't like any of the people went after him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying so Dan Webb to this day is one of the 
I'm going to say he's the highest price attorneys in this country. Now, this guy who just put Blagojevich in jail, I don't know if he's going down the same road, Kevin. I have not heard him doing anything huge yet. Was that Fitzgerald? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's... He must be... I'm sure he's still well-respected someplace, but I, I think that when he... The first trial, when he had the hung jury, and then he went and, and outed the juror, and basically in another trial right afterward when Blagojevich didn't have any money left, and they gave him like a public defender or something, I thought that was the most biggest, one of the biggest abuses of justice I've ever seen. You know, and, and I don't like Blagojevich. But I try, I try and be a fair guy, as hard as it is in today's world. But I don't, I think that sucked, to be honest with you. And, and, and well, yeah, and 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 I, I think the easiest thing to do is is to just ask yourself, what if they were doing that to your person? Oh yeah, to your guy or your gal, um, and and that answer should sort of drive the whole thing. Um, and you know, we should be we should be looking for fairness. Does you? You don't have to like Trump to see that there's a lot about this prosecution. Well, uh, you know, okay, let's see how it goes. Let's see if they even get to trial without throwing it out. Um, but there's a lot about this prosecution not to like, and we should probably uh, uh, have a pretty good idea of, of what that is before we... Uh, um, yeah, well, but I, I will, you know, I'll say this. That if Trump has to lead the league. And people working for him going to jail. <laughs> nah, he's he's got a ways to go to catch Nixon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like eleven people out of the Nixon administration that went to jail. Well, that, that's true, but but they, he uh, at least was offered the same thing. It was offered one one deed, sort of. Well, it was a series of deeds, but yeah. yes, yeah, it was. Uh, but I just it, it, uh, most of it was tied up in Watergate. You're right, but uh, but I mean, but it does come down to, I mean, if you just drive home at night, you see. Ridiculous stuff. Last night I saw two people just waiting at a red light, and all of a sudden two of them said, "Screw this!" and just went right through. There were cars coming. I mean, it, it, it's 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 endemic all over the place because people don't feel. I don't know if they don't feel that they're part of the laws. They don't vote. They don't think that the people represent them to make the laws. I don't know what it is, Kevin, but I've, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, and uh, and, and, I, and I never see a cop pulling somebody over. If you do, you wonder, God, what do you, what do you do? Cut the cop off or? <laughs> Or throw a donut at him. I mean, I, I mean, you you wonder what did they do? I mean, I, I've seen I've seen cops sitting there and guys going right through a stop sign in front of them and never budge. Nobody. Want, I mean, it's I I don't understand. I mean, this whole this whole episode with the COVID. I mean, and, and, and you know, and the more we learn about some of this stuff, and you know, who sent the money to Wuhan, and they were told not to, and then they went through North Carolina, and nobody's investigating anything like that. I mean, who turns these people on? Who turns them off? I mean, it, and I you know. I, but it is interesting, real quick story, because uh, and we go to break, we'll come back. We're going to talk about right field arms today, outfield. We'll talk about baseball a little bit, get off some of these other topics, thank God. But the, when Elliot Spitzer was uh, indicted, you know, for, a, for what, he ended up, uh, a hooker went across state lines to see him or something. Wasn't that the, the thing they got to? But anyway, he, Elliot Spitzer was... Uh, was and is, in my opinion, a very brilliant man. But he, and he grew up in in the, the, the you know the uh, what do you call them the, the high schools where you live there and that whole society. He knows where all the bones are buried. I mean, he, he he grew up in that group, the Ivy League. Everybody goes to Congress. Everybody's a, a assistant in the summertime. Blah blah blah. That kind of crap. He becomes governor of New York, and he decides he doesn't. He was almost, although you know, uh, in a different world. He was almost, in, in some ways, our generation's Roosevelt. 
he was a traitor to his class, in my opinion. That doesn't make him a nice guy. Or, I mean, I want to go beer with the guy or anything. He was a traitor to his class because he knew he went after the New York Stock Exchange and people were aghast. And the, uh, the specialists with the New York Stock Exchange did not enforce their own rules against specialists. Hey, guess what? If you ever trade on the CBOE, for those that don't know, I mean, you trade options, you've traded stock all day long against the options. Somebody comes in and buys 100, 150 Delta options for you, the first thing you do is buy 5,000 shares of stock. I mean, to me, this is like, you know, this is like taking a bath. You know how to do it. And, it, and, and, and people go, why would you guys trade stack? Well, come on, open up, learn what an option is, see the delta. The delta is the percentage move in the option and the next move in the stack that you would expect. So if, the, if it's a 50 delta, stack moves a buck, you expect the option to move half a buck. So guess what? If you, if you sell somebody 100 options, you're supposed to buy 5,000 shares of stack so that you're, you're no longer... Uh, long or short, because that's not what you're trying to do. You're just trying to take the difference between the buy and the sell. Too long of a story. But so, but if you were on the uh, CBOE, depending on the crowd, depending on the stock, some specialists obeyed all the rules. Did everything the way they're supposed to be. Some guys were absolute asses. To where they'd be offered, you know, ten thousand shares. Somebody sell a whole bunch of options. He'd go buy the stock. It would trade ahead. The specialist would take it ahead of you, even though your order was already there, and you'd get filled an eighth or a quarter higher, and he just made an eighth or a quarter, which is absolutely against the rules. It happened all the time. And if you went on the CBO floor, you could say, these five stacks, these guys need to be in jail. I mean, everybody knew who these people were. Nobody would go after them. Because New York Stock Exchange was considered SEC North. The SEC never touched them. They were too powerful. All of a sudden, Elliot Spitzer decides to go after them from whatever he was, U.S. Attorney in New York or something, and everybody is outraged. So, of course, the guy ends up becoming governor, and still, most people don't like him because they don't know he's liable to turn the headlights on you if you're in that class. So then he ends up, he's a very wealthy man, came from an awful lot of dough, hence the name traitor to his class. So he ends up taking cash out of his bank account and while he's governor. So the, the, uh, the people, the people, the law enforcement people, the people that are watching his every move, find their chance, and they tape his phone lines. It, with, and the idea that he's being bribed or blackmailed and they're doing this for his own protection. Bull bleep for his own protection. Kevin, do you, if, you, if, you, if you believe that, i got a bridge for you. So, so they, wait, they, they, they tape the guy's phone lines for months. They find out he's got this hooker, and all of a sudden, or hookers. So, I, you know, so these guys in the, the, in the bar, up at the, the trader's bar, when there used to be traders, all of a sudden one night they're all happy the guy gets indicted. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know all these guys from whatever, we were good friends. I said, why, why do you guys want the guy invited? Well, he's an asshole. Uh, okay. If he went after the guys in the stack exchange, you know, we could be next or something, even though... So yeah. you, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah what a, so, that can't be the crime. Yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, so I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys are all big swinging bleeps, right? Well, yeah. I said, so a guy like you, one of my guys' name was Rich. I go, Rich, I know for a fact you like to go to Vegas a couple times a year. And I'm going to say, when you go to Vegas... You got ten grand cash in your pocket, and I'm probably being light. Oh yeah. And by the way, if your wife gets a painter for the house, and, and it's twenty grand, the guy wants it to be paid in cash. You don't, you don't, you don't even bat an eyelash, do you? Well, no. Okay, so now you just took out ten grand three times and twenty grand in cash. What if somebody put a, a, a tape on you for your protection for the next year? Well, man, why would anybody do that? Well, duh. <laughs> what if it was you? Why would it? Why would it be me? You know, I mean, well, okay. It's, I'm saying, you, you, for your protection, you know, give me a break. 
Well, man, they wouldn't do that to me. I said, what if they did? You're, you're doing the same thing. You're taking out a whole bunch of cash a whole bunch of times a year, and, and nobody knows where it's going, and how do they know you're not being blackmailed, and they're going to protect you by taping your phone? Well, it's bull. Yeah, well, okay, that's what they did to this yes, guy. okay, yeah. point taken. Yeah, but I don't like him. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess that makes a difference. I don't like him. <laughs> That, that summed it all up, but I don't like him. You know. <laughs> well, and, and one last thought before you hit the break, too. We go back to this this uh, prosecutor in New York. He's not prosecuting crimes in New York. He's you know the same thing about yeah. letting people go in Chicago is what you're encountering in New York. Yeah. Um, so he's preoccupied with something that's probably you know that not more than probably he's uh, it, it it might get thrown out of court just as a matter of uh, jurisdiction. Um, but uh, you know he's he's so intent on that, and so you know as a result the guy's very unpopular. I don't know if this will make him more popular in New York, or oh, if I, it I, will just be uh, a lot of people saying, uh, um, you know, uh, screw this guy; his priorities are way out of whack. I think you'll get both. If people haven't figured it out, it doesn't matter whether you're 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 good or bad. If your name is out there, Trump's president because he was on TV for for you're fired. I mean, it is a name they know. Same, you know, did you ever watch that show? I never watched. No, it. I never did either. But th- so this guy, I will. I'll bet you an adult beverage, Kevin, uh, that in the next five years, the dude's a rep or a senator in New York, just because they know the name. Well, that would be a damn shame. Yeah. Well, what? what but but he's out there. They, they get their name out there. Everybody knows the guy's name. SP Futures up eight. Nasdaq Futures up four. We're leaking to the upside here again. Come back. Let's talk about some right fielders and some guy who did an amazing amount of work on this. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. 
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. we got Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures now up 8, 9 bucks. NASDAQ Futures up 5. So we were up last night. We came in, we're mixed. Now we're creeping up again. Dow Futures up 64. Uh, nothing really moving in the Dow. Matter of fact, a bunch of them aren't even open. So it's a, it was very quiet yesterday. It was a it was a snoozer yesterday. Uh, we just we just went up and, and, and dashed up a little bit on the close, but it was very, very slow, the trading. Uh, it looks like it might be that way again today. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the... The uh, Nikkei up 258, that's 0.9%. We've got the Hang Seng up 90, 0.4%. Shanghai up 11.4%. As they, everybody's now saying that they're going to, their their chip, their all that, their whole industry is going to come flying back despite the fact that we're fighting with them and they're going to do it on their own and whatever. That's all the headlines this morning. And we should invest again in China. I think I won't, but other people I think will. DAX up 69.4%. FTSE up 17.2%. Kek around up 40.6%. Uh, yeah, as a way of review yesterday, Dow was up 141, S&P up 23, NASDAQ up 87, so not as much up as the day before, but a solid up day as well. Uh, of course, we do have, um, you know, close to $500 billion the Fed's put in the system in the last three weeks, which somebody might, like me, might say there's a connection there, but then again, a lot of people don't think so. Uh, tenure down one basis point, 3.53. The Bund down two basis points, 2.34. Japan up three basis points, 0.36. Uh, oil, which has been rallying. Another 56 cents today, almost at 75, 74.93. As you see, your gas price is leaking up. Uh, Brent up 33 cents, 79.60. Natural gas down a penny, 209. Arbob unchanged at 265. That's pretty high for for Arbob. Uh, it has been, you know, in the 240s, 230s, and it's been creeping up almost every day. Uh, gold up 90 cents, just dancing with this 2000 number, 1998.60. Silver up seven cents, 24.06. Copper down four cents, 405. We've got Bitcoin. On 81 bucks, 27,913. US dollar, which has been falling, is actually up just a little bit today, but the euro's at 108.7, and the pound is, uh, well, it's down one, uh, so 123. So, very, very slight movement in the, in the dollar today, slightly the upside. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports, Mr. Greg? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Chief. 6.35 on Friday, March 31st. It's 54 degrees with moderate wind gusts in Chicago. We've got light rain until about 9 a.m. Phoenix, it's 47 with about a four mile per hour breeze, clear skies, and a high of 72 today. Traffic, 
Inbound Kennedy from O'Hare to 290 is about 45 minutes. Um, Kennedy from O'Hare to Montrose is about 21 minutes. Inbound Edens, Deerfield to the Jane Byrne Interchange, 45 minutes. And Inbound Edens, Dempster to I-290 uh, Interchange, 34 minutes. We have Inbound Ryan Express from 95th to the Interchange, about 15 minutes. And the Inbound Stevenson from I-355 to Dan Ryan, about 32 minutes. In sports, NHL. Blues beat the Hawks 5-3 to three last night at the United Center. Can the Hawks just, can you, can you, can you mercy rule a season? It was it was a rough one. I knew a couple people at the game, and the text message updates were not <laughs> not happy. Not good, I know. Yeah. In better news, Cubs beat the Brewers at Wrigley 4-0. Stroman got the win, and the White Sox beat the world champion Astros 3-2 in Houston. No NCAA or NBA uh, yesterday, but we do have the Bulls playing the Hornets tonight and the Suns hosting the Nuggets. And Final Four starts tomorrow. Yeah. Nine-seed Florida Atlantic plays the fifth-seed San Diego State first. And after that, the fifth-seed Miami takes on fourth-seed UConn, and these are all on CBS. I still, I, think, I still think San Diego State shouldn't be there with that fall, but that's another. It's just another story. <laughs> we have Mr. Murphy as well. Mike. Oh, Mr. Murphy needs to be unmuted. Oh, That's my fault. All right. We, Sorry, Mike. Let's see. There were, there were times in college we could have used a mute, a mute button on Mr. Murphy. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Kevin's cackling in the background. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when you get him on. Uh, He's on. You're on He's now? On. We Good should morning, put a Mike. mute button on you there, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used one that's many right. times. Hey, let's, 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 let's have a coup d'etat here, Mike. He's gone. Get that how guy off of you, know, you know what? <laughs> You guys could revolt for a week. I could go to Europe or someplace. I could do that. If you want to, you want to run the thing for a week, I would do it. It's only that. one button here. It's only one button. Mm-hmm. There you go. Just mute. You'll never leave Chicago, Tom. Well, Not for an extended period well, of time. Probably. Well, and, and never leave Stocks and Jocks. I would imagine, you know, at 6, at 6 a.m. Central uh, with no Stocks and Jocks, Tom probably starts getting the shakes. Well, I, got, I, would, I, wouldn't, I would have to say that I would, I would call in just to, you know, but, but I wouldn't be running it. One of you guys after. Anyway. Uh, just as a as a an advertisement, which we very rarely do, I really would uh, encourage everybody to, to uh, check in on Monday because uh, we have a very special guest, a young lady named uh, Katie Rather, who is a Loyola uh, senior. And, and you would think, why the hell would you want a Loyola senior? Well, she, anyway, she went there on a uh, volleyball scholarship, uh, injured her shoulder, now can't play volleyball, but Loyola's kept her there. They've done the done the right thing, and she's in. Uh, She's not in pre-med, but she's taken like all those courses, and she's become a medical researcher at this age. And she did work for Northwestern a couple summers ago. And this last summer, uh, I don't know if she became, well, she, that's why I want to ask her, she became part of a, a group, I think they must have had a, cons- uh, a group that hired a couple of these people, and she went up to the University of Minnesota and did some research on some orphan disease and actually found the cause of it. In, in uh, doing in gene therapy work and or a gene uh, research, and did a big presentation out at Stanford and got you know nationwide accolades, and now she just did it at Harvard. And I tell you, there isn't anybody that anybody wants for these these schools more than her. And she is the most pleasant person, and she and they keep trying to get her to be a doctor. She wants no part of being a doctor. She just wants to be a medical researcher, and she's good at it. And I. I think we're going to have some nice questions. John Flanagan knows a lot about this. I already talked to him about it. You know, who you work for, who, do, who owns the research? What if there actually is a, a drug someday? Can somebody 
patented after all the other people did all this work? I mean, we're not going to try and drill her to that extent, but there's a million questions in here that just fascinate the hell out of me. What, what do you guys think? Oh, I, you know, I, I, being in the education world, I run into incredible people like that a lot, and um, she'll be a great guest. I am, I, I don't know anything about her. I haven't met her. I haven't anything, and I'm telling you, she will probably be a fantastic guest. Well, guess what? Because she goes, there just are some people who do some really, really cool things. And she just wants to. She goes, well, I'll come in. <laughs> So I'll, I'll take the red line. And I said, no, you work. You won't. Uber to my place, and I'll drive you. You're not taking a red line at that hour in the morning. So What's she's wrong with com- the red line? Uh, <laughs> for a guy like... For, a lot. For, <laughs> for a guy like you with 48 concealed carries and mace and everything else, no problem. But for her, I'm more worried. Let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, um, I got to, I ran into this article uh, about who has the best outfield arm ever. And here, talk about somebody who did some research. This is... A, this guy, this guy, for lack of a better term, is kind of a nut job. But I mean, there's people that have must be retired, have like no life or something, and this dude is uh, is all over uh, right field arms. And everybody, of course, has a guy that they they think is there that they've seen. And make, I mean, I, I can recall many throws from the outfield that I thought were absolutely spectacular. And Bo Jackson, you guys remember the one that the. Uh, the uh, Dodgers were out of people in a World Series game, or is it a playoff game? And they had the catcher, the second string catcher, playing right field. Ferguson, remember that game where the, the center fielder went over to get the ball, and they had to throw this guy out at the plate. And Ferguson ran up, and he said, "No, I'll take it." And he grabbed it and threw an aspirin tablet home and got the guy. <laughs> well, that's, that's one of the rare occasions where no, I don't remember it, but it sounds like a really good story. Well, but he, but he was he had, the, he had the catcher's arm, which of course you know he had, he had a cannon, but he was no right fielder. It's probably the only guy he ever. But I, I was at Wrigley a few times that Clemente did something spectacular. But but everybody always has their their guy where they say, well, you know, uh, Rocky Calavito, nobody ever went from first to third, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's a guy, I'll get the guy's name, since I'm talking about a guy named Mike Riley, good Irishman. He decided to dig into this. I don't know how much it took him. But evidently there's there's stats in baseball where every, they'll, they'll chart where every base runner went back to like 1920. So how many times people... We're at first base, there was a hit to the outfield or right field, if you're talking about a right fielder or a center fielder, whether they stopped at second, didn't stop at second, or got thrown out at third, or if it was a double, whether you made it home instead of just the third. I guess there's stats for everything if you dig through all this stuff. But he had the uh, the top ten people that everybody thinks about in terms of, well, in terms of uh, assists, total assists in the outfield. You guys might get this. Who do you think would be the top four in their, over their career? Now, of course, they played a different amount of years. Uh, I got the whole top, the whole top ten here, and I, I pretty much, I think I saw just about all these guys play. Uh, who would you guess is number one in assists in the outfield? In assists, yeah, outfield assists. Well, the best arm. And his point is, it's not just whether you saw them or not; it's whether they actually threw people out, and if people actually didn't run on him. So he tried to put a whole statistic. Well, that, that's of, the thing: is did people run on him or not? Well, and he, again, the, with the first part, he starts with just the amount of assists. And uh, then he went into did people run on him or not? And he's going to come up with the guy who, by far, in his opinion, had not even close the best right field arm. And it's a name. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know. And he, Bob Musil? No. Well, I mean, no. Let, me get, let me get to that. I mean, okay. All right. So, so if you look at the amount of career assists in the outfield, who, got, who would you who would you think are in the top ten? Well, that's why I guessed Musil is he he would be up there. Um, well, this is all after 19. Well, actually, um, this is after 1940 well, because 
if you go before guys like Speaker and those guys that everybody ran, they had they had zillions of them. Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker, but he he cut this off at 1940, basically. How about Willie Mays? Uh, number three. Actually, he was tied. Well, K-Line's probably in the list somewhere. Uh, number nine at 170. Okay. You mentioned Rocky Calavito. Not in there. Top ten. Not in there. Okay. All right. There's names there that you all... You all obviously number one is Clemente, 266, even though he only played... He played like four or five years less than some of these other guys. But the guy who was a, a, a surprise is Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was a hell of a ball player. Defense. Oh, yes, he was. The next one I was going to say was Hank Aaron, actually. And then the, the Willie Mays is tied with Yaz, which is not a shock. Yaz was a great player. Here's one. He, he finished his career with the uh, Cubs, but I know he had a big career with the Philly. Richie Ashburn. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a guy got... I, w- I wouldn't have thought of him, but now that you say it, of course, yeah. And here's a guy great. that the Cubs got him late in his career, and I used to go to the game. And, and for batting practice, just to watch this guy throw the ball from the outfield. He was unbelievably just – every one of them was a one-hop waist tight of the catcher, Johnny Callison. Oh, yeah. And here's yeah. a, here's a shocker. Johnny Callison. Yeah. yeah, he was a longtime Phillies player. Yeah, here's a shocker, Barry Bonds. I don't think Barry had, Bonds was a great outfielder. Yeah. I don't know if he had the most powerful arm, but I remember he had a great release and he was very accurate. Then there's well, a, all those steroids and then probably he developed helped. a powerful arm. Yeah, well, then uh, Veda Pinson, remember him? Sure, I remember Veda Pinson, good ball player. Played yeah. for the Reds for a long time and then uh, finished his career with the Cardinals. Then Al Kaline, which of course everybody would probably have guessed. And then uh, Dave Winfield. Uh, and then, there, <laughs> then you go down a little bit and you find uh, uh, guys like Rocky Calavito and people like that. But then the, then the guy goes into... Uh, then it's here. Is, is, then he says, "Okay, well, that's how. Let's figure out how many people in assists per season, because obviously Clemente didn't play as long as the other guys." Uh, honorable mention uh, was uh, Joe DiMaggio, twelve point two per season. Uh, Larry Walker uh, from the steroids era. He puts in there seven gold gloves. I remember him. He's Montreal one too. Was he Mike? Or, and, was he no, Montreal? he was no, the Rockies, Colorado. I think. Yep. Oh, okay, he was right. the Rockies. And uh, Carl Ferrillo. I remember... Uh, yeah, Carl Fellow was uh, great. Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carl Yastrzemski. Um, and here's a guy, Dave Philly. The guy says, a shocker to me, not a, not a highly regarded outfielder, 1941 to 62. Rusty Stop, of all people. 12, 13.6 he had one year. Big arm, poor mobility, uh, like Filey above. But, it, but it, has there ever been a more popular player than Rusty Stop in like two places? He finished his career uh, he as a was, uh, something else. That's for sure. Uh, what was he the 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 red toupee or whatever, the red beard? Uh, the orange, grand orange. Yeah, and uh, but he was asked and then where did he go? Did he go to the Mets? He finished yeah, I think list. he did I play for the did. Mets after yeah. uh, uh, after Montreal. And then it's uh, Rusty Stop, uh, Jeff Francoeur. I don't remember him. Two thousand five to two thousand five. Oh yeah, good ball player. He played for, for Atlanta. And yep. He announces for the Braves now. Then are Johnny Callison, fourteen. And here's a, here's a here's a surprise, uh, Dom DiMaggio. I remember my uncles telling me that Dom was actually a better outfielder than Joe. Fourteen point six, Boston center fielder from the forties and early fifties. Great defensive reputation. Uh, anyway, so he had he had fourteen point six, Clemente at fifteen point five. And here's all the other guys that are both are. Uh, our honorable mention, Bo Jackson at 12.7. Reggie Smith was another really great ball player. Uh, 10.7 of uh, Dave Parker, Dwight Evans, remember him? Al Kaline, 9.7. Rocky Calavito, 9.5. And Ichiro, 
uh, 7.6. So these are people, but the guy who was number one uh, by far uh, was a guy named Jesse Barfield. Sure, yep. 17 um, in a year. Yeah, Toronto Blue Jays, right? And, that, yeah, yep. and I would never have, it's the thing, I, there's so many people in baseball that you sort of miss. I don't I don't think I ever saw Ichiro play really on TV. I mean, every game started so late. I, mean, I really miss seeing him. I, I really miss I mean, Tony Gwynn, all those guys that are really, really good. They're on the West Coast, it seems like you never see them. But, so this well, guy, it's probably the reason to retire is to just watch West Coast baseball, to be able to stay up late enough to watch West Coast baseball. Yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, he, and as they go down into these these huge uh, – I don't even want to bore you guys with this, but he goes uh, – the this is the amount of first to third attempts while somebody was in the outfield. How many kills? How many time they got him? So the total first to third success. So they got Calavito, the guy that ah nobody ever, nobody ever went from first to third on him. Actually, fifty-seven percent of the people tried. Three point six percent got killed or out. I don't think they were killed, which which leaves you at fifty-four fifty-five point five success. Then second was Evans, then Kaline, Parker, Callison, Smith. Clemente, 50% of the people, 50.6, went to third. He threw out 7.7% of them, which is like a lot. And only 46.7 made it. But this guy, Barfield, get a look at this. Only 48% of the people tried it, which is way below Calavito. The guy, the guy got 8.9% of them, which made only 44% of the people made it from first to third when the guy was in right field. That's incredible. Yeah, Jesse Barfield was great. I, I have a list up in front of me that also includes him, and I wouldn't have guessed it right off the bat, but this is a Bleacher Report list. Uh, they, they had Clemente 1, uh, Carl Ferrillo 2, Jesse Barfield 3. So, you know, it, it, look, if people are picking you in the top five, and you could probably go list to list to list, and everybody seems to be picking the top, picking you in the top five, you're probably pretty darn good. Well, yeah, and, and, but, and then the next one, this, I, said, I can't believe the amount of work. The next one is how many guys started out at second and made it home, which is, again, you advance more than one base. Calavito is like number 10. 73% of the people tried. He struck out 5.5%, uh, and then 689 made it. Now, this Barfield guy, only 64.8%. He's, he's a full 10, 10% less than even Clemente tried it. He struck out 13%, and only 56% made it. I can't believe wow. anybody... anybody only 56% of the guys scored from second base on a hit the right field. I mean, you assume that to throw somebody out is so rare now. And most well, and, and it, you know, taking away bases like that, I, mean, it, it's, it, I think it's an underappreciated... You know, I think people understand it, it, that it's good, but baseball is really, it, as much as anything, it's played by the base. Yeah. And, you know, and especially when you start getting into the... Uh, the metrics that people use now, and you start saying, you know, what's a guy's probability of scoring? You know, if you're talking first to third on a single, what's his probability of scoring uh, with nobody out when he's on third versus nobody out when he's on second? What you know, with one out when he's on third versus one out when he's on second, and these numbers shift dramatically. So there's, you know, there actually is uh, um, statistical evidence to support the value of taking away bases like that, and uh, and. You know, I, I think that's an underappreciated aspect of outfield play. We remember the spectacular catches, the guys who are climbing the wall uh, to take away home runs and all that, and those are those are important too. But this is something that becomes a, a day in day out factor in you know in the games, and it pro you know I, I don't know when they do those uh, wins above replacement 
uh, calculations. I don't know if this is a factor in there or not, but it should be. Show me somebody who can understand that calculation, and I'll show you a gene. I, I've tried to go through it a few times. I don't know what the hell they're doing. The ones above replacement. Yeah, I, I haven't tried to take apart the calculation itself, um, but I am totally worth, uh, willing to buy in that there is some factor to uh, uh, winning additional games uh, that each player contributes. So I, I'll, I'll go with the stat and have to trust that it has some value as uh, with the underpinnings have some value. Well, I always thought that, uh, and you know, that to, to hook up somebody's defense with their offense, um, you know, for, especially for Hall of Fame, you somehow needed to do that. I mean, I look at the two guys. One guy's pretty close to being in there. Probably will get in someday, Mattingly. But I always thought Mark Grace with seven Gold Gloves in ten years. When when you lead the league in chances year after year, you're essentially taking a hit or two away from somebody every week. And then, but then the, the Hall of Fame guys go, "Oh wait a minute, he didn't enough, hit enough home runs, even though he led you know led the the majors in doubles for a decade." They I mean, they have their their ideas, but somehow the defense, you know, if you can take something away from somebody, it's the same thing as you getting a hit, right? Um, hey, well, hey, Mike, while we have you though, we got seven minutes. We have to let's uh. What is going on with the uh, since you're our, our, one of our our world uh, politics guys? What do you make of all this uh, China Russia? There was a big article in in, uh, in CNBC that's, uh, yesterday about how China is supposed to be uh, hooking up all these alliances with these third world places, and then Russell was saying that they they bought all this stuff for these third world guys. Now they're not paying them, so they're pissed at them. And how, what is how much is that worth? And is um, what do you think it's worth in the Ukraine war? Does that does that mean that uh, some people are siding more with the Russians than us? Or I mean, I, what, what do you make of all this? the news? Just goes like back and forth, back and forth. I, I can't exactly get a feel as to whether we're gaining or losing in worldwide sentiment. What, what's your feel? Uh, I think that the Chinese have a long-term plan to be the dominant economic. Uh, power in the world and they sense weakness at this point particularly in the US and you know the enemy of uh, or the yeah the enemy of my enemy is worth you know working with so that's why they're working with Russia you know they want to go you know and one of their uh, conditions I think for doing that is you know for the Russians to buy or to sell oil uh, to the Chinese for yuan that way that you know that weakens the dollar and uh, and the, and then uh, with it, the Chinese want to dominate the seas particularly in you know the Pacific Ocean and they're working at that also so Mike does anybody make the connection, and I, I know Mike went to enough economics classes with me, and I know he knows what I'm talking about. Does anybody make the connection between uh, the dollar being, for those that don't know, the only, oil only really trades in dollars. I'm sure there's some barter arrangement somewhere that Mike probably knows better than me. But by and large, Mike, it's always just quoted in dollars, right? Of oil anywhere. Right. But so when when the when when we have something like a you know a bank oopsie a couple of weeks ago, I'll call it that. And the the Fed, in order, and we have some problems with the market and so so forth. The Fed immediately runs to the help of, you know, I'll say people in the market. I won't say the one percenters because there've been an awful lot of my people, my clients are not one percenters and they're in the market. But basically, 
goes goes to maintain this this wealth thing and dumps you know five hundred billion dollars into the into the into the system in two and a half weeks. Now they drained thirty billion out last week. So so let's say four hundred. They basically uh, drain put back in almost two thirds of what they took a year to take out. Now clearly that makes the dollars all around the world less worth less because now you just dumped a whole bunch more in. I mean that that doesn't create confidence. I don't think. I mean, I'm asking you. What, what does that do to people saying, "Why don't we these dollars I just have in my pocket are just worth less"? I mean, when we do stuff like that, I almost can see why people are looking for an alternative way, Mike. I mean, or am I wrong here? No, I agree with you, Tom. And your statement, I think you said it yesterday a few times about, you know, more dollars go in, the weaker we become. You might not have said it like that, but that's the way I was thinking. And we're just, this is probably um, the one of the more critical times in our nation's history. And the administration is, is uh, making mistake after mistake. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're, I think the last three administrations have made mistake after mistake. I think it's just one big screw up for the last 15, 16 years. Well, since uh, I would agree with you, since it's really the Obama administration still running things. I mean, you, yeah. you have uh, Valerie Jarrett still in there, and Susan Rice, and all of the, you know, the Obama second string. Maybe uh, you're probably exactly right. Well, you know, what do you? I don't know if you put the two and two together that uh, when Bush was in there, and and we had. Uh, <laughs> Of course, it was Larry Kudlow, the greatest story never told, the Goldilocks economy, and why didn't give people Bush all this credit? Well, all of a sudden, the thing totally falls apart, and this mortgage stuff that people were doing nothing but borrowing money in Japan and buying mortgages here at, at 6% and blowing up the price of everything, and, and this all happened. It, was, it would happen on Bush. But I'm not going to blame him personally, because the Fed basically did nothing to, to alarm people that that was what happened. And there... And they're the people that can see those money flows. I mean, I'm not going to see them. You're not going to see them. Uh, I don't think the listeners are going to see them. They're the only ones that are in the place to see those kind of money flows. So they do this big oopsie, okay? So now, the last time, I don't know if you uh, caught, I think we sent it to you, Mike, uh, what Russell dug up, that one of the things in these stress tests, all you hear about is a stress test in these banks, the one thing that they didn't st- test stress on is interest rates going up. <laughs> so all these banks now, that's the one thing they didn't check. Okay, what, ha- what happens if all the crap we just sold you at this price, if interest rates go up and all that crap is now crap, U.S. Crap. bonds. <laughs> well, and it, well it's, it's still U.S. bond, but now it's worth less. That's the one thing they didn't test. So Russell says, why do you think they didn't test it? But I go, reason why they didn't test it, how could you, how could you sell somebody something at a horrendous price and then turn around and tell the guy, you got a problem because if the rates go the other way, I think I just sold you, it sucks. <laughs> I but, I mean, it's the second time that this president, I mean, it was essentially, well, I don't know, but I, I don't know if Biden's quick enough there or Trump or any of these guys. But, I mean, this seems like this, there's these constant mistakes coming out of somebody's direction in terms of money flows that, that these guys, I don't think they have a clue what's going on. And I don't know, maybe they don't understand it, they can't stop it. I don't know, what do you think? But Mike, I don't get you on that much, but I love your opinion. Is there a man behind the curtain here somewhere or what? I, something's real strange. Well, I think that uh, 
Trump watched the markets much more closely than any other, any other president we've ever had, and he was constantly haranguing them to keep that zero interest. And I think he had at least an idea how the markets could affect things. I'm not sure that Biden has an idea, although it seems to me that Biden's made an awful lot of money doing something, and yeah. whether it's through himself or through his son. Well, didn't a wife write the book that was a big success? I'm not sure. I have no idea, Tom. I think she did. But I guess but you and I know, Mike, I mean, Kevin, too, because I was in, in class with you. You know that if you, if, you, if you pour money into the system, you drop the interest rates, your, your, your fixed income, your fixed assets, especially the market, are going to go up. You also know you eviscerate the rest of your population that doesn't have stuff in the market or a building because the, inter- the inflation goes up on them. And by the way, the, their savings, the value of their savings go down. This is not, this, you and I know this from sophomore year. This, this is not, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out, does it? I don't think. No, but look at what Bernanke did during the, whether it was the Obama recession or not. I mean, he just kept dumping money yeah. into the markets and, and, uh, Trump encouraged him to do that, and then he, I think that was the criteria for Paul to become the Fed chairman, is he had to do the same thing. Well, look how, how everybody's so happy we saved the banks. They poured money at them. Okay, here's here's $100 billion. Guess what? We're done. Okay, then. <laughs> I'm right. I, but it's, anyway, thank you, guys. I hope you'll listen in on, on Monday. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I hope you will, because, uh, and, and by the way, feel free to text me if I, have, uh, I miss a question with this young lady. But I'm sure John will help me out. He'll be fine. He'll help me out quite a bit. And guys, you have a nice weekend. SP Futures up six. Nancy Futures down six. Be right back. Mr. Carl Denninger. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello. Welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up six. Today's that Futures down seven. Do we have uh, Mr. Mr. Almost Professor Carl? <laughs> you do. <laughs> how, can you be an, how can you be an almost professor? But if ever was a guy who is, it would be Carl. How are you, bud? Well, you know, it's uh, the last uh, the last day or two has been rather interesting to watch, both from a political and a market point of view. Yep. Uh, I have to say, this is uh, you know this thing that came out. <sighs> of course, social media on the the Trump environment is and and all over the news as well. You know, CNN, Fox, everybody else. Uh, CNN last night was running a story and of course it's CNN so they may be completely full of crap that uh, this is more than 30 counts and it's business fraud so for everybody who is jumping up and down screaming that they're going after him for something related to the actual election uh, and uh, which which never made any sense to me because that's a federal matter okay it's a federal election uh, and I'm a former campaign treasurer. I actually ran a ran the treasury for a uh, congressional race. Um, that never did make sense that that would you know that that would come out of the uh, the state prosecutorial apparatus. Uh, and but what CNN reported is that no, it isn't. Uh, and my suspicion when it was first announced was that what they were going to go after him for was essentially the same thing I got Capone on, which is tax evasion. I, I thought that too. And I guess and I'm that, wrong. that was my yeah, and and by the way, that's a slam dunk conviction if if in fact they have him on running the money for a personal matter uh off the top line of one of his businesses. Okay. Now that's a now or his campaign yeah. or his campaign funds. Um, no, that's a no, no, no. Because really? that's uh, like I said, if if because it's a federal campaign, they can't they can't go there at the state level. Okay, all right. You're talking about jurisdiction, okay. not whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's a, the, from a jurisdictional point of view, the state on a federal campaign, the state doesn't have jurisdiction. Okay, the feds do, and and you know you have to file with the FEC. Uh, those filings have to be complete and correct, and and they, <laughs> I mean, 
Okay, now I I was treasurer for a guy that was running on a libertarian ticket. Okay, so I mean there was there was no uh, there was no zing there in terms of trying to you know trying to argue. Oh well, you know I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, and therefore you know you're not going to go after me for this. And, and we also know that famously the odds of them coming after you criminally in that regard are very small. I mean, we know that Clinton, for example, took a bunch of money from people that he couldn't. Oh, yeah, the overseas, and they did the foundation. I got a quick, right. quick I mean, question. There's, there's all, all that sort of nonsense, okay? Quick question so my, on the theory, though. You're, when you say it's a federal election, I'm not trying to be obstinate here, but the way we're set up, when I say we, the U.S. of A., the way we're set up, is it really a national election for president, or is it an election in each and every state, in which case then they pile them together and it becomes a president. I, I would say that you're running for president in Illinois for the you're, Illinois. You're, uh, Chief, you're right, all right, at a technical level, okay, in that y- you are. You're running for president in Illinois. Uh, you're running for president in all 50 of the states, right, because what you're actually running for is the votes of the electors. Right. Okay, you're not a, you're not actually running for the popular vote of the population. If, uh, if you were, yeah. I'd, I'd agree that the that the jurisdiction would be totally different, but you don't. Uh, no, but the but the jurisdictional matters when it comes to federal elections are are pretty clear. Okay, um, and and uh, you know what I mean. And again, I've I've done this as a treasurer, so I know what. Well, the I'm rules not disbelieving you. I'm just saying it seems odd to me. No, I know what the rules are, but my my guess is, it, it, when this first started, and it, it you know, and they were they had the grand jury up there and they're hearing evidence. I I said, my guess, just based upon what I know of the jurisdictional you know cross currents, if you will, is that what they think they've got him on, is that he. So if you if you're running a business, let's say you know when I was running MCS, and I use somebody's patented technology, but I don't pay them. All right, and they find out, and they come after me. My attorney's fees and the settlement are deductible above the line. They're business expenses. Why? Because it's compensatory. I if if I had negotiated a deal with the, with whoever that was originally, uh, then they would have come off the top line. Okay, the fact that I had to do that later on because somebody got mad and sued me. It's it's still compensatory. There's no punitive element to it. It's I'm paying somebody what I owe them. That I had and, and my ordinary legal expenses in negotiating that are deductible above the line. So it's it's a business expense just like anything else. Uh, the problem is when it's if there's a punitive element to it or the conduct in question is personal, you cannot do that. You can pay the guy. You can pay the executive. You can say, "Well, this guy's so important that even though he's a schlub and he, uh, you know, he likes to, you know, he likes to play with hookers, uh, you know, we're going to cover that." However, that's compensation to the person in question. Taxes have to be paid on the money, and it has to be. It would have. It, you know, I mean, you could bonus it out to the guy, but now it's on his W two. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Right. So I mean, it, that's. So my, you know, when this started, what I said was what they probably got him on. So it's sort of like buying a house for somebody that's still income. Right, it's income, and yeah. and and New York assesses a state tax. And here's the other thing too: a lot of people think you know, well, places like Tennessee and Florida and, and Texas, you know, no state income tax. 
Well, that may be true for you as an individual schlub. It is not true for corporations. All of them have a franchise tax. And and so th- this really does matter from their point of view because you have to pay taxes on the money that flows through your corporation. And and you know, it's just like a federal return, you have uh you know, you have a state return, it's a corporate return and uh and you can deduct things off of it. Well, uh, if they've got him on this, then you know, I mean, I want to see the indictment. I I don't know what's in the indictment. But for everybody who's just running around, oh no, this is all you know, just politically motivated BS. He just you know, ginned up. Well, maybe the, obviously the targeting that is clearly politically oriented BS, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think it, Well, just because yeah, they, I, I mean, we, we, you and I could point fingers at a hundred people, <laughs> and nobody's going after them, right? I, uh, you know, I mean, come on, uh, we've we've got uh, you know, when you want to talk about criminal liability, we've got a uh, you know, we've got a son of our current president who uh, who left a used. A meth pipe in a rental car along with his ID. <laughs> yeah. All right, they did nothing. He he also clearly lied on a 4473, which is the firearm purchase form that you have to fill out and sign under penalty of perjury. That, by the way, carries 10 years in the can. Um, that is not a minor little civil matter. Well, I mean, that's, that's what just is, I don't want to, I don't want to go down this road today because we have other stuff to talk about, but I, I think this whole, the whole gun situation uh, and I think this is the the people who are you know essentially a- anti-gun, and, and I'm, I'm again I I like to explain both sides to people on, as best I can, Carl. You know that, and so do you. But this whole I I don't think they can have as many laws as they want about uh, gun control and whatever it is. And the fact is, the the people who think guns are fine are not serious about enforcing the laws. There's there's no question that people. Who like guns don't ever want to see anybody not get a gun. In, in, in my opinion, I mean, if 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 it's if you if you've got five felonies and an IQ of four, then it should be six felonies and an IQ of three. I mean, it, nobody should ever set the bar to get a gun above you, and and that that is a nationwide, I think, fact. I mean, uh, when you when you had the who's the guy that how many mass shootings ago, how he was. Uh, he was given a uh, the bad discharge in the army because he had all kinds of domestic abuse stuff. Well, the, the army never sent any of that stuff to the state police. So when the guy went to get his Floyd right, card, he was a, yeah, he was able to buy a uh, weapon even though he he'd been dishonorably discharged, which by the way is disqualifying. Yeah. So I mean, it, yeah. So it, I mean, it, I, I don't. Th- I think the the people who are anti-gun have a legitimate point, and that the people who are pro-gun, no matter what the law is, there's never going to be any enforcement. So you're always going to well, be able to say, oh, yeah, well, we already got enough laws, which is true. Why don't we just enforce it? We don't because nobody wants to. I, I, will, I will say this um, when it comes to that, which is in general, which is that if, if you want to actually foment a real no-nonsense uh, bad set of events in the United States, a, a real one, um, this is exactly how you do it. The I I don't understand anybody who in in the modern world thinks that this kind of selective bent on prosecution. All right, and 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 the New York prosecutor uh, is you know is known for this sort of thing. Look, I I get it that you can't catch every crook, right? I mean, we all know that, but 
there's a difference between I can't catch any cro- every crook and I don't bother trying to catch certain crooks. Right. All right. Those are not the same thing. And we, this country was founded on the principle that there is no such thing as divine right of kings. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and if you're not going to honor that, at least in the appearance, then you are basically telling every schlub out there that they have no reason to follow the law other than the fear of getting caught and punished. No other reason whatsoever. There's no moral imperative. There's no There's no argument for it being hey, just. Hey, driving drive no traffic here and 90% of the people agree with what you just said. Well, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, this is how you end up in a very dark place. Well, in, in, in terms of Trump, I, you know, I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm, I think that the guy has a huge personal vendetta against him, and it's going to make his, his life. Sure. He's going to be a senator someday or a governor. I, I get it, but I, I also know that I, well, I don't know, no, but I've talked to people, uh, various, <laughs> that know Trump from various cities, and every one of them has got the same story. It's not like I, I'm leading the witness. Oh, he hired this guy to put up a tennis court. This young. There's a couple of young guys. It was one of their first big jobs. They put it up. Trump had it measured. It was off by a tenth of an inch on one corner. And he corner. screwed him. And they totally... He has screwed everybody. The guys here that, in Trump Tower, uh, my buddy Greg, uh, he's been on the show before, says he knows the guys that did the painting. He didn't pay them. Man, you... Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? But how, how somebody... He, he took, he's taken too much water from the, from the river. He's supposed to take X gallons. He takes twice as many. I mean, how, how does the guy make it? to this age, every single day doing stuff like that wherever he can. And somehow or another, he's not in jail already. I, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, it doesn't mean that this particular thing, I agree with you, that this particular thing is clearly, uh, you know, I, I was mentioned earlier, and if you listen to it, I would love to see a list of how many thousand hours this guy's group spent going after Trump and how much they spent on other people who today are actually probably a lot more dangerous. I mean, how we know. Yeah, I, uh, my, you know, I, I have done business with some, not with Trump himself, but with people that have his kind of mentality. I can spot people like that from a mile away. That's what I get for being in business for as long as I was, and and to the best of my ability, I stay away from people like that because it, my blood pressure gets driven up substantially by the kind of BS that folks like him pull. Uh, I don't like him. I, I said originally, I before he was elected. When he was running in 2016, I said the man's a con man. He had three items on his web page and that were a big deal in his campaign that were going to solve the medical problems that we have in this country, and specifically the ones that are going to destroy the federal government's budget. He had three points on there that if he had done any of them would have made a tremendous difference. It wouldn't have been the answer to everything, but it would have made a tremendous difference. And while I was sitting in the bar the night of the election, as soon as it was called for him over Hillary, literally within, I, before I could hit refresh on his page, all three of those were gone. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it, well, they were never yeah. going to be seen again. And, and you know what, Chief? That's it, Politicians do this kind of thing all the time, okay? Yeah. So, so, you know, Biden famously said he was going to federally deschedule marijuana, which, by the way, through the DEA, he can do. Uh, he doesn't need an act of Congress to do that. He can do that. Um, has he? No, and I know the people that, well, I know some people are in that business, and they're still dancing all over the place regarding... Uh, 
Well, you have to because it's federally illegal. So you can end up, you know, you can go to jail on a violation of banking regulations. Yeah, oh yeah. All right. So I mean, this is is even though in your state it's perfectly legal for you to, you know, to dispense this stuff to adults, uh, you can go to jail if if you know if you step on the wrong side of the line because federally it is against the law. Well, when you go to pay the state their taxes, I think you bring them a, a bag of money, don't you? Well, you you can't you can't transit the money in interstate commerce because it is a drug transaction and federally it's illegal. I think you can use a, a state chartered bank or a credit union. Yeah, there's there's I, there's ways around the problem, but you know, but again, it's very easy to end up on the wrong. Oh side. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and, and if and if you get a, a bank that uh, it doesn't want to go there, they they come after you and they say, "Well, I didn't realize that this was a marijuana place." And by the way, I didn't realize. The ATM was forty feet away, and people were using the ATM to buy the dope. And they'll come after you personally. The bank, they throw you out. I mean, it's crazy. And then, yeah, it's I mean, just you know. this this sort of stuff. I mean, you know, this is why I say this kind of thing is insane. Okay, and yet, you know, here we are with this hodgepodge, and I, and then you know, then you have people on the Trump side that are saying, well, you know, DeSantis should refuse extradition, and, and you know, things like this. It, it, for those that are listening that are in that camp, let me let me just clue you in as to why that would be the dumbest thing that Trump could do, and, and he won't because he's not that stupid. If you refuse extradition on the request, you have declared that you do not believe that, the, that whoever charged you has jurisdiction. When you get dragged back to the originating state, you will be no bailed, and you will sit in jail until trial. Well, that would not be good. Well, because you've just told the judge... That you don't think he has the right to charge you. I think if they want to, they could find all kinds of nasty stuff the guy did in New York. He's been there his whole well, life. Well, but I, I'm just yeah. saying that by itself is enough for you to sit in jail until trial. Yeah. Hey. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go right out of the the farthest end of where I can go with Carl, and I think he knows everything about everything. We've got a few minutes before the break. After the break, I want to talk a little bit about the the, the Fed's reaction to these bank things, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. uh, but can you explain to me, Lucy, what the hell's going on with Disney and DeSantis and this King George the Fifth thing that they did down there? Do you have any? What is that? All yes, about? Uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, start so from the any, beginning. Start from the beginning because a lot of people have gone to Disney World, don't right. really know how the whole thing was set up. I know a little bit about it, where they essentially gave them home rule over a, a huge hunk of swampland and said you can do whatever you want, and the and the counties sort of don't even control it that they get their own county right or something right that's well it's it was so disney did this on purpose how many years uh, ago are we talking 50 years yeah and and it was because they ran into trouble with expansion in california and and walt decided he was never going to run into that problem again and expansion so, meaning you want to put up a hotel and there's already a guy across the street and when a motel got there first yeah and so basically what what he did was he stuffed about I don't know it was, it was under a hundred it was a few dozen people that worked for the company within the area and then managed to get this thing declared as the Reedy Creek Improvement District now, it was it was swampland it was nobody that lived there at the time that he did this and it, it, it the people that lived there all voted for it well they all also happened to be Disney employees okay so he basically plans so they he put a bunch of people in there with the alligators and the snakes and they were there long enough to vote for him. It's kind of like annexing something when the people that live in an area vote for the annexation. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it, 
Yeah, okay, twisted sideways, but nobody wanted that land at that time. But okay. that, that happens here a lot. There's competition for that. I mean, there were the oh yeah, were Santa Fe drag. Remember that Santa Fe drag strip? A uh, Willow was it Willowbrook and uh, one of those places out there, and, and Burr Ridge fought over that for like a decade before somebody got it. Right, that kind of stuff happens yeah, all the yeah. time. Okay, so but what what happened here is that as as there was the clamor for them to void the the district. Um, the this Disney goes back company, to the LGBT thing, right? Right. Uh, yes. When when this was all going on with the 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 so-called "Don't Say Gay," which by the way was not that at all. Okay. Um, it was basically "Don't groom our grade school age children." Was what the law essentially was an attempt to stop. Do not bring this garbage into. Primary schools. Yeah, we're not talking high schools here, guys. Um, and so, anyway, Disney executed a bunch of contracts with the former district just before it was dissolved. Now, that, um, if DeSantis, DeSantis is one of the smartest politicians I've ever seen, he's not stupid. He knew this was going on. He had to know that this was a possibility. And what he didn't have was a, a a presumptive fraud clause in the legislation. He didn't insist on it. The legislature didn't do it. So basically, they allowed Disney to sideswipe them with this kind of thing while this bill was going through the legislature. Um, it, and this is very typical of politicians as they set up things that are intended to, you know, to not actually be what they sound like, right? So now we have the the brouhaha going on about that. It'll be interesting because there are okay, lawsuits. What happens is that Disney formally opposed uh, this, uh, don't teach this stuff in elementary schools with the governor. So there's a big fight between Disney and the governor over this particular, I'll say it's an LGBT thing, but it's, it has to do with education at a very early age. And a lot of parents don't want that. And I never had any of that. I mean, I, I can't imagine getting that in second or third grade, but... I mean, it's a different world, but I'm not saying it's the proper world. But I mean, isn't that they, Disney essentially fought against him on this this law, right? Right, exactly. Well, it, essentially, what Disney argued was that they have such a they have a significant percentage of of employees that are that identify within this lifestyle, and that they considered this to be hurtful and directed at them, which is a load of garbage. But that's what they that that was their argument. Um, I mean, you know, this had nothing to do with what consenting adults do. All right, zero. It was entirely aimed at don't screw around with the kids. Well, so so, so the this Reedy Creek thing has its own governing body that has that has uh, directors, and it's it's almost like it's its own county, but it's not really, right? It sort of is, yeah. And 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 so also there's a tax issue there, and and because it is a political subdivision. Uh, more or less, that means they can issue bonds and everything else. Well, so yeah. the, the the governor has the, the right to change out a lot of the people that are in there in the committee, right? But what they did was they gave them some kind of a a whole bunch of contracts for however many years going out, right? And it's but it has to do with what is it's the it's the great grand the the, the deal is good till essentially uh, King George of Britain's. Grandkids die. It's like the eighty years. Well, yeah, well this is uh, okay. So if you've ever looked at trust law, um, permanent trusts are, are in most cases illegal. So what you have to do is pick a person, and then put a time limit on it that is related to that person, and that's what they did. 
This is how you get around statutory constructions that perpetual structures are not legal within the state. Okay. I uh, and it's and but yes, this is essentially how do you you know now we have we have statutes that are like well for example copyright copyright is you know so many years past the death of the creator right well this is essentially the same sort of thing you can't have a a contractual arrangement that is perpetuity because there's no consideration and so as a result what you what you do is you say well you know the the fourth child of my daughter's son <laughs> yeah okay yeah well this is a article here written by a young lady we've, we've quoted her herself before sarah witten she does a nice job. This, this is evidently they passed this law that gave the state a right to uh, change the, uh, the the board members of this of this area. Correct, right? And uh, yeah. So the uh, on February, but on February eighth, the day before the Florida House voted to put the Santas in charge, the previous Disney Allied board signed a long-lasting development agreement that drastically limits the control that can be exercised over the company and its district by the board. So the board essentially denutted themselves <laughs> right before the Santas was able to take control of who the incoming board members were, right? Yeah, and and the pro- the the problem with that is that it is very clearly in bad faith and and we'll see what the courts think of it. It's it's going to be very interesting, but the idea that DeSantis and the legislature didn't know that this kind of a of a tactic was possible and therefore didn't defend against it in the legislation, that was intentional. And well, anybody that thinks it wasn't has rocks in there. Well, Carl, we only have, we have a minute before break, and we obviously continue after break. But how does and I and I never, I never understood, and I, and you've talked about it before because I think you do understand it. And without being attorney, I think you do understand a lot of it. How is it that that uh, sometimes, like you were just saying, we'll see what the courts think about it. Sometimes, like when the city of Chicago has this abortion of a parking meter thing, right before somebody leaves office. The new guy can't come in and say, hey, we're voting this one the other way. I mean, the Supreme Court can reverse stuff. Everybody else gets to reverse stuff. Yet somehow or another, we can't say, no, this company has been doing it for two months. Uh, this is a horrible deal. By the way, we'll give them $5 million for their trouble, but they're the hell out. Somehow, sometimes you can't do that, and sometimes you can. And I, I, to this day, I have no idea what the difference is. What is the difference? We'll talk about it after the break. But sometimes you can reverse something, sometimes you can't. Now, this thing is this is a 30-year development agreement. Disney yeah. is no, no longer needs board approval to build high-density projects or buildings uh, of, any, of any height and can sell or assign developmental rights. It also bans the board from using Disney's name or any of its characters. So the board essentially denutted themselves, right? The day before, the guy's going to take control of the board. It's, I think it's genius, but I don't, I, like I said, how is this maybe not going to hold, and yet... Chicago can't do anything about the parking agreement or the Skyway agreement or anything else. Maybe well, well, yeah, I, th- I, I don't think this one holds up. Anyway, SP Futures up 16. We got the PCE number just came out. Uh, we'll yep. talk about that when we come back. Uh, NASDAQ up 26, so we're rallying on the number. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 15. NZF Futures up 37. So far, we like the core PCE price coming out at uh, 0.3% month over month. Uh, not sure why we do, but we do. Uh, so it's the core and regular 0.3% less than the 0.4 expected. This is the key inflation gauge that nobody gets to look at except the Fed. They lobbed that number at you like a bunch of lemmings were supposed to look at it without being able to see any detail. It's it's nuts in one man's opinion. Dow Futures up 90. Uh, again, I guess I was a little too forceful on that, but eh, it's one man's opinion. Uh, Nikkei up 258. Uh, that's 0.9%. Hang Seng up 90, 0.4%. Shanghai up 113 the uh, Asia, which has been up and down, up and down, is, is pretty much uh, green across the board last night. Europe, a DAX up 69.4%, FTSE up 22.3%, CAC around up 38.5%. The U.S. yesterday, we had a rally. Uh, it was a pretty good rally, considering we were way up the day before. Dow up 141, S&P up 23, NASDAQ up 87, and we're up again today, at least, but not not as strong. It's like we're, we're, well, at least not yet. A 10-year down 3 basis points, 352 the Bund down four basis points, 2.32. Uh, Japan up three basis points, uh, 0.35. We've got oil, which has been going up 
virtually every single day. It's now up almost $8 in the last uh, 10 days, 15 days. So $0.42 cents today, $74.79. Run up $0.12, cents, $79.39. Natural gas down a penny, $2.08. Natural gas was down to 2 bucks yesterday when it came back up some. Uh, gold down $3 now, 1994 uh, Silver up $0.04, cents, $24.03. So gold just keeps getting bopped back from this 2000 number. Uh, we've got uh, Bitcoin up 122, 28,117, and we have the U.S. dollar on these numbers is is uh, up just a hair. But still, the euro is a 1098, which is the highest it's been in a while. Same way with the pound, 1238. Uh, what do you got for us, traffic weather sports? Good morning, everyone. 7:36 a.m., 54 degrees with 20 mile per hour wind gusts in Chicago. Here, some light rain until around 9 a.m. Phoenix 50 with uh, 4 mile per hour breezes, clear skies, and a high of 72 today. Traffic inbound Kennedy O'Hare to I-290 interchange is about 65 minutes now. Inbound Kennedy reversibles Montrose to Ohio probably about 26 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook to the interchange is 65 minutes. And the outbound Edens about 28 minutes to Deerfield Road. Inbound Eisenhower from Harlem to the Burn Interchange is 24 minutes. Uh, if you go all the way out to Thorndale to the interchange is 44 minutes. Uh, other inbound Stevenson, Harlem to Dan Ryan is 34 minutes. And then finally, you get the I-355 from I-80 to Broden is 12. And then that's it for traffic. That's all that's bad. Lousy rain, nothing but rain, dreary. Good thing the Cubs aren't playing because they would, wouldn't be playing. <laughs> yeah. Sports, Blues beat the Hawks last night 5-3. They were at the United Center. Cubs beat the Brewers 4-0 at Wrigley. Stroman got the win. And White Sox beat the world champions 3-2. White Sox are playing tonight, right? Uh, White Sox play tonight. I'll have to watch that. The White Sox, I think, are a pretty good team this year. So we'll see. Well, they, they are 1-0 against the, the World Series champions. Yeah. So, Carl, what do you make of... Uh, uh, these numbers, are, how big of a, just, we did finally yesterday, I was, I was waiting for it all day, the Fed balance sheet came out, and of course, they don't want to give us any of these numbers till they actually have to. Uh, we were actually down uh, 20 from 8.33 trillion to 8.705, so we're down $28 billion in the week. But just so I, I keep bringing this up, the tippy top of this was 8.965 on Wednesday, April 13th, uh, 2022. So the Fed, after listening to that select Judd, Fed chairman and all the other people, how they're going to reduce the value, reduce the value. Well, they reduced it down to the low tick was uh, on March 8th, 8342. Uh, actually, it might have been 8339 the week before. So they're basically down um, from, uh, what is that? That's $620 billion they took off in essentially a year. Well, in, in their effort to save the banks... These guys are not above throwing all that money right back in to save the market and save, and you know. But every time they do it, it has a second. They actually push back from eight point three four two to eight seven three three in two weeks. So that's four hundred and some billion dollars in two weeks, and then dropped a little bit of it. So they basically have re- retraced two thirds of an entire year's work, Carl. And uh, it doesn't. If I would if I would have known that before they did it, before these numbers came out. Let's just say it'd be a hell of a lot longer the market, and I'm sure somebody did know. Yeah, and I and I that's yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I, I uh, you know, um, 
I have all sorts of issues with a lot of the things that uh, that go on in this regard. But it is, for one thing, the Fed balance sheet by itself uh, is not nearly as uh, expositive as M two, right? Um, because the Fed balance sheet, uh, you know, what they did here could could very easily just be a shift from you know the 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 bonds are in one pocket now they're in another and the cash was in one pocket now it was in another right well we could we could go in the, the uh, pro, the, well the problem chief is without being able to tie those two things out you don't know um except except for one part you do know i think is that uh the and by the way i, I absolutely agree with you 100 percent because before you and i go into some you know long description of monetary theory People in this country and, and banks and just their everyday activities can cause the money supply to go up and down. So it, That's do- right. it doesn't surprise me that the Fed, um, with all the, with the banking issues and people yanking money out of the banks, even though they won't tell us, there had to have been a significant drop in M2 during that period of time. So it, their job is to add liquidity to the system so that that doesn't cause a problem. But the... But the uh, Let's just say the the part that is catching my eye here, Carl, because I don't have the other numbers and neither do you because they won't give them to us, but other people have them. I guarantee you they're not stopping making them. Uh, The idea of of $500 billion, for God's sake, in 2007 or 2009, that would have been half the balance sheet. The the numbers were thrown around now. You shouldn't need $500 billion to save one friggin' bank. Right, I'm not. I, I, by no, by no stretch of the imagination, am I defending what's going on. <laughs> right? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that you and I both agree that probably with people pulling the money out, it, it caused a momentary blip down in the money supply that the Fed's job is to make up for. But that's not what they did here. I don't think. No, and and I, you know, like I said, far be it from me to defend, you know, the the BS that uh, has gone on here, especially given all of the lip service that we've paid over the last, uh, you know, the last ten fifteen years to, well, you know, we're not going to let this kind of thing happen again. Uh, yeah, okay, pull the other one, guys. Yeah, uh, obviously you you are letting that happen, and you did let that happen, and you know, so um, how about you, STFU, and uh, yeah, we'll get back to you later on that. But the, um, but the, what what is what is the end result of the? I mean, I keep using the name because she seems to be out on the edge and she's loud. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. What is the the final the final duty for them? Is everybody who is a welder has a government employee standing next to him watching them of of various various God knows what training and education to even know what the guy was doing? Is is every loan coming out of a bank? Need to be approved by a Fed regulator. I mean, where 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 is the where is the end game of this? Well, no. It, it, look, Chief. The, the the root of the issue is that when when Bernanke was in charge, he got inserted into the governing documents that that essentially over a period of time, the Federal Reserve would have the right to set the reserve requirement anywhere it wanted, including to zero. The when the crash happened in 2008, the effective date of that got moved up. It's a one sentence addition into the TARP bill, the one that actually passed, not the original, you know, blank check one pager. And and from that point forward, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, the the alleged 
duty was to regulate this in such a way that these kinds of things, like what happened with SVB and everything else, would would not occur again. Okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're going the, the wrong direction with that clause. Well, no, really. Yeah. Um, and so you know, all right. So this was this was kind of the compromise on. Well, we're taking away your authority to do a whole bunch of other things, but this, but this one thing, you could, you know, we're okay. So that's that. You know, this. Well, this so back, back up here before we, but but remember your thought. Just what Kyle and I are talking about is when I was in school a long time ago, the reserve requirement was twenty percent, and the banks, their their power, the Federal Reserve power was. The open market window, which is what they used every week, the right. discount rate, which they rarely changed, and the and the reserve requirement, which they very seldom wanted to change because it's 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 the most powerful tool they have. So when I give examples like this, I'm talking forty years ago. If if Carl were to dig into his mattress, not all the way in, but you know, halfway in and, and runs runs with a million dollar cash down to the first Tennessee bank and puts it in there. When I was in school, that's a million dollars now that's in is in uh, Carl's checking account. They could lend 80%, meaning there was a reserve requirement of 20%. They could lend $800 million to me for a hot dog stand. Well, of course, I'm not going to spend all 800 grand in a hot dog stand today, so probably I'm opening a checking account. I'm going to put the checking 800 grand right in the bank right. until, I, until the guy comes and starts pouring a foundation. Then they could take 640 800 minus 20% of my 80, 800, and loan, that. and loan that. And that's how the money supply increases or decreases. So the Fed's job is to maintain some of this stuff. But but now, as, as bizarre as it may seem, and I didn't even realize this, I thought they'd lowered it. I didn't really realize they'd lowered it to zero because that's not what i do anymore. But but Carl puts the million dollars in there. They could lend me the whole million. And then I put the million back in. They could lend the whole million to, to Greg. I mean, it, that's insanity. Well, it's yes, like it that, is, and and the premise behind all of this is that the regulatory apparatus is not supposed to allow this to occur with anything that is not secured to at least the value of the money that has been lent. Bull bleep. Uh, no, really? Yeah. Uh, no, they would never lie about things. So they're like saying that. They, they took over to respond without having any sort of a reserve, even five or ten percent. You would think. Why would you lend out the entire amount? I mean, you should a little bit, something. I mean, maybe twenty well, is too high, maybe fifty. I don't know the number, Carl. I will tell you what, it's not zero. Oh, uh, no kidding. And yeah. so, you know, the the problem you have here with what's with what's happened over the last you know fifteen years or so is that there's there's two basic issues. One is that this was sitting out there for an awfully long time. Okay, so anybody who thinks that this just magically showed up in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, no, it didn't just magically show up in the last 10 or 15 years. It was part of a of a planned capacity increase with leverage in the system that goes back decades and and, and at least easily into Bush's administration because that's when this thing was accelerated when, you know, when of course the crash happened, right? So but in fact, if you really want to look at where this all goes back to, it goes back to Graham Leach Bliley and you know and all of that stuff. Um, and and the problem is that, it, and this goes back to what we were talking about in the first hour. If you give people this power, but you do not hold them accountable when they screw it up, you don't throw them in jail when people end up losing hundreds of billions of dollars or more. Yeah. Okay. 
and and you say, oh no, 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 that's fine. We're just going to put that on the on the, you know on the credit card of the nation, right? We're going to force you and I to pay it. I didn't steal it. You didn't steal it. Mr. SVB stole it or blank, you know, blank for whatever, you know, the, the, the crypto dude. Okay. Yeah. He stole it. This guy stole it. These people stole it. These, these venture capital people stole it. They, they dumped a, they essentially created a cash bonfire behind, <laughs> behind the building. Right? Well, if, if it's other people's money, you're dying to invest in all that stuff. Cause if you ever hit the home run, you're rich. The other stuff you don't care about. And, and you know what? As long as people have their own cash at risk, I don't care. I don't care either. No, that's exactly right. All right? If you if you do this and you get reamed and, and uh, gee, God love you, you know what? That's called capitalism. And by the way, hopefully you get enough enough left to try again, and hopefully you'll do better this time. Yeah, and maybe you do and maybe you don't, yeah. right? But that but that's capitalism. I, I got no quarrel that's with that. That's the beauty of the system. You but you know, yeah. you know what's weird though on these smaller banks, and, and you know Kevin's been out of it for a little while, but he, you know, he knows he goes a lot of these smaller banks, and I, I was always uh, there were a couple banks that were taken over here in the Chicago area. I've told this story a couple times. One of them was Beverly Bank, and one was the First National of Evergreen Park. And the sad story was on the Evergreen Park, one of the second biggest owner of the stock also owned the bowling alley. Nice guy. Well, he he gets this huge windfall, and he has a heart attack and croaks the next day. Poor guy. Before he could spend a nickel off it, anyway, right. b- bad idea. But or, or bad, bad thing to happen. He's a good guy. But, but they, both of them, the people who were the former employees, didn't like the new people. They basically trundled down the block. They must have got a few bucks from somebody, and opened up essentially a storefront bank with the name of the old place because the people who bought it didn't even care if they retained the name, which is really dumb. So these guys, four blocks away, right next to the train station, open up Beverly Bank. And half a mile down from First National Evergreen Park, all of a sudden you see First National of Evergreen Park. I'm like, oops. Well, they, of course, all the people like my mother, who liked the, uh, the, old, the old tellers, immediately took their money out of the new place and put it in the new right. place and, and, uh, and put it in the other place. And, and Kevin says, you know, and I always thought that how do you, at what point do you actually hire a loan officer and, and how nervous are you when you make your first loan? I mean, if it's, if it's car loans to five people in the neighborhood that, that you know are good for it, I guess that's one thing, but... But Kevin says the the bigger banks now go around and sell these loan chunks of these loan packages to these smaller banks, and uh, and that's where a lot of a lot of times when they go under, it's not anything they did. They bought, you know, a Citigroup or a Goldman or somebody tranche of uh, of loans. Right. Well, one th- one thing to be aware of. So this, the, you know, you got this little spike on the on the BEA number release. Um, and it just it's it's now come back off by the way it's gone okay that nice little uh, nice little green uh, candle that uh, that got uh, initiated by that it's it's back to where it was before the number came out uh, gee somebody actually read it yeah so so in real in real dollars in real dollars you lost a tenth right okay and oh by the way the the price index PCE um, is still running two and a half times the uh, the Fed's so-called target. Well, point three was it point three was the number, right? Well, the the the, uh, the one year run rate uh, headline is five point and excluding food and energy four six. Well, there there are people like me that don't believe 
that crap at all, and you take the, the current month and you multiply it by 12, and that's your number, or you take the last two months. Well, actually, you don't multiply it by 12. It's it's exponent. It's right. Oh, yeah, exponent I agree. Function. I agree. So it's not times 12. It's more than that. I would, I would, well, when it's going up, it's more. When it's going down, it's less, right? Well, that's right. But it, Well, yeah. yeah, the delta's both ways. But, um, by the way, uh, show me the negative uh, month-over-month PCE numbers here in that table because there aren't any. No, no. October, November, December, January, February, all positive numbers. Okay, so there, there is no negative. Um, now, what there is negative on is, uh, is current dollar and chained uh, 2012 dollars uh, actual PCE expenditures. Not the price indexes, right. but the actual numbers. And uh, it, what people are, I think what people tried to focus on originally was that DP, disposable personal income, and this is kind of weird. This, this, this is an interesting thing. So you have personal income in current dollars up 0.3 on the month, but disposable personal income in current dollars up 0.5. And we saw this last month where it was up 0.6. But in current dollars, disposable income was up two percent. Now I'm 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 kind of scratching my head, saying, "Excuse me." Um, so what you're saying is people paid down debt, but no, we know that didn't happen. Credit no, it didn't card happen. debt, yeah, right. We know that's BS. So explain to me how you got this number, and the answer is you you, you don't get that data. No, you it's don't a black get the data. Box. It's a black box. Yeah, you just, but, uh, yeah. but I mean, we we, an, see, we get the CPI and we see all the vagaries in that. But I, you know, and again, yeah. I, I, what what do you? I have a, just a procedural question. Uh, Audrey, you know, uh, just well, she needed a car. She didn't get a new one, but she got a pretty new one. Well, well like yeah. I, I mean, chief, uh, rents would have to go down dramatically, or groceries would have to go down dramatically, something like that. Well, rent okay. is supposedly and, and leaking down in New York and San Francisco, but it was at such a high level here; they're not going down. Yeah, yeah, they're not going down around here. What's uh, a yeah. now when just on a simple when I look at this stuff, of course, why I go to the detail, all it does is frustrate me a bit. If I was doing a CPI, which I wouldn't want that job, and I'm looking at new cars, how do, how do I ever do the interplay between list price and what people actually pay? Because I'm thirty-one percent of all cars last year allegedly were sold for higher than the than the above list sticker, thing. right? Above sticker. Well, here's the here's the other one too, and this is this is also not in the numbers. So, uh, one thing that's happened over the last year or so is that the the deals the coupon deals at the local grocery stores have essentially disappeared and and these are not small discounts right i mean it was it was totally bog standard for the longest time that at least once a month you could buy hamburger at a, at a dollar a pound off as long as you used you know Kroger's or Publix's or whoever's card right there you know the rewards card so your actual ticket price out the door was considerably lower than it was before. That, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I, this week over at Kroger, there is literally nothing in terms of actual food. I mean, unless you want to buy potato chips or something like that, there's literally nothing in the current coupon list. Well, the potato empty. chips are six bucks down to five, but we were talking about potato chips. You know, you know what's interesting, uh, Audrey? I mean, she's been working so much on weekends that I've just been going to Orland the whole time, and she hasn't really come down here. So we. She came down here last week for this uh, this German party. Carl, I wish you'd have been there. You'd have had an absolute riot. All these this, it's a shooting club, and all these guys got these outfits on with the sh- shooting medals and everything. All these oh nice. It was it was an and, the, and these guys what I like their booze. Uh, I'll yeah, s- I'll say that for them. They they came from Peoria, St. Louis, Columbus, 
real interesting group. You know, they got the wine and the beer, all kinds of beers, but then running around giving everybody shots of schnapps the whole bit. Anyway, so the uh, where the hell was I going with this? Um, seem to have lost it. Where did, where did I lose my train of thought here? But the uh, uh, anyway, she she comes this way, and uh, I still get the Sunday paper delivered. Now she doesn't get it delivered, Norlin. So Sunday morning, she drags the paper in and she pulls out the advertisement in the middle. And I haven't—I don't notice this stuff. The advertisement, Carl, has to be one fiftieth of what it was ten years ago. There, there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, she goes, the advertisement section of the Tribune used to be bigger than like any other paper during the week. It, it was half the paper. Oh yeah. Well, and and the Sunday paper was. I yeah, mean, that, that was we, the point, right? That was the point. And, right. Uh, you know, now there's, you pull out like two or three little things. I don't even know who the, the few people were. It used to be every retailer that you knew had an ad in there every Sunday. Right, right. And now there's, I mean, there, I, I don't get it. I mean, and then the paper costs like five bucks. It's, you know, well, well, there's no ads. Of course, they got to charge you, right? Uh, and well, and, and then the question is, how long does that last, right? Yeah. And the answer is not very. Oh, not very. And uh, But, I mean, these these numbers, they it, it, are, why are people, you know, the weird part is, uh, when you talk about the you know the Fed doing what they're doing, one night I, I meet my judge buddies and I, one of the guys I know at the bar. He's, I won't say he's a friend friend, but he's a good you know a guy I've known forever, a good guy. So I, he says, "Time, what'd you think of the Federal Reserve stuff today?" And he goes, "You know, I, I you know I've, I've trouble believing this stuff." And he goes, "He did just what he's supposed to do. The market went up after he talked." Yeah, and I'm going. I mean, I, I get it that there are, there are classes of people and. Anybody who's got a, a 401k going or anything like that, or an IRA, could even be here. I mean, you, you want, we all want the market going up. I just, I just don't want it going up artificially because I know it never ends well. But that's that's the part they've managed to keep it going pretty long time, though, Carl. I'll say that for them. They they have, and you know the the thing that uh, that I think though is is most interesting, and I would be very very careful. You've had a lot of people that got quite bearish when all this bank stuff started and have now turned around and said, oh, I was wrong, you know, everyone back in the pool, right? Um, problem you have is that the, the underlying issues that we have, particularly with the, with the federal budget, Medicare and Medicaid, CMS, where I've been banging on this drum for more than 10 years, they are not solved in any way, shape, or form. And the idea that we're going to continue to paper over this with monster deficits. Uh, no, we're not. The, the world has moved away from the idea that we can continue to offshore things and create that trade deficit imbalance that allows us to hide the inflationary impact. I, inflation is not going to come down at all until... The government stops running well, deficits. Every, every every time in my career, which has been a, a long career, and I hope it lasts a lot longer because I love the business, all my clients. But I, I uh, most of them, uh, the every time this this has happened, if I would go back on it, I never want to be the guy, especially when I'm dealing with other people's money, to say, "Damn, the torpedo is full speed ahead." Right? Uh, right. That's not me. But every time, be it long-term capital, be it the Argentinian debt thing, be it something. Whenever you think it's a problem that's going to go viral before that term was even around, the Fed grabs it, pours enough money into the system, and fixes it on a short-term basis in the market. You want to be, you want to be long there in retrospect. Doesn't mean you want to be long the next time. 
Right, but well, except you yeah. got to be very careful that they actually fixed it because well, they didn't, they didn't happened, fix it. I, I well, but that there's some durability to what they did. Okay, you know, you know what they did in the long term capital. This is a maybe a next week discussion. You know what they did in the long term capital? They told those guys to. Uh, it's, it's almost like the guy in uh, Casablanca, where he yeah, where he, where he rigged it. They told those guys that they were going to lower the discount rate on ten o'clock in the morning on an expiration Friday. Right. And those guys were able to make millions enough back. And huge, they said, huge, huge money, right. Yeah, and then they but said, that's good enough. A few other people got hurt. We don't even know them. Screw them. And then but, we're, Chief, we're fixed. remember that we did. We had the same thing happen in the early part of 08 with Bear Stearns. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, and Bear Stearns got bought out. First it was two, then it was four. Oh, yeah, okay, with lots of difference if you owned it at 25, right? 35, 40, 50. With 35 or 40 or whatever, right? Yeah, the difference between two and four, wow, man, that's a big deal. 100%. Uh, it's 100%. Well, yeah, okay. If you bought it at two, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the thing is, is that you know, the, then you you see, they thought they had it patched up, and six months later, everything went down the toilet. Yeah. So I think you have to be really careful here because the budgetary thing and the debt ceiling fight and all of that. Yeah, everybody expects that they'll come to some deal and they'll raise it. I I, I get that. But the inflationary impact cannot be sustained. At five percent. No, your population can't deal with it. Even the though they are. Well, there's and when you look at the credit card debt and numbers, people are going to start running up against those limits, and they're going to get hammered. Yep. And this is coming if it's not addressed. All right, bud. We got a dash. Have a nice weekend. Uh, are you going to go out skiing one more time? Since it's going to be snow to like July. You know, I just might. I it's it's awfully tempting to go west. It's, yeah. I, I mean, holy smokes! I you know I looked at Wolf Creek, my little favorite place, and there. You know, 450 inches of snow out there this well, year. Well, you're doing your best, Horace Greeley. Go west, young man. SP Futures uh, up well, 11. NASDAQ Futures up 13. Notice I pulled that name out of the hat. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What are you, you tell me you know Larry Bird? Yeah, I don't have to know him. He's from French Lick, Indiana. He's a doofus. <laughs>